I have a harder time getting someone to talk about a breach that happened to them versus the hacker who actually did the breach. They seem to be more <laughs> uh, willing to talk about the illegal stuff they did versus the people who actually have the egg on their face. Today on TechNATO, we'll be joined by Jack Resider of Darknet Diaries. We're also going to talk about a supercomputer that's building more computers and incognito mode in Google Maps. That's all coming up on TechNATO, starting right now. Hello and welcome to TechNATO. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, joined as always by Don Pazette. Don, how are you doing? I am doing swell. <laughs> Believable. With conviction. Justin, how are you? I am doing swole. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we swole. can tell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, Those sleeves are working. I um, No, no, I, I'm... <laughs> Oh, you're holding water. Yeah, oh, holding yeah. Water. Oh, your, your ankles. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to need some diuretics. Okay. But that's all right. I'm sure that's not what we're here to talk diuretics. about. Diuretics? You're starting a religion? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dianetics. <laughs> uh, we are also joined uh, a little bit later today by Jack Resider, who is the host and creator of Darknet Diaries, the podcast uh, that uh, I'm sure you've all heard of because it's very amazing. It's kind of a True crime about uh, things going on in the uh, in the underworld of the the internet and and cyberspace and stuff. Go ahead. What? What, the, the the what? Cyberspace. The the underworld. Underbelly. Yeah, like shadows, yeah, bright shadows. Web. Talking about the bright web, the shiny web. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, I see what you're trying to. Ah, uh, yes, we're also playing buzzword bingo. I was like, what are you getting at, buddy? <laughs> I totally oh, lost. He didn't know. I, know, I didn't know what you were doing. The bait. Uh, if you head over to go.itpro.tv/buzzword-bingo, you can play along with us. Uh, and I will not say the word that Justin's looking for, but I'm. I'm guessing our our guest uh, a little bit later, uh, Jack Resider, might say those words. So you never know. Stay tuned. I don't. Shouldn't we get that right? Darknet. Nope. Darknet is a different thing than the yeah, other one. You could be running FTP over the uh, darknet. Yeah. What was that? What was that? Uh, that webinar you did that everybody came to. Uh, it sounds like you're lying already. Nobody comes to my webinars. So. Yeah, I think it was the one we did about AWS. I'm pretty oh, sure yeah. that was it. Well, great segue. Thank you so much. <laughs> Our first article in the news today uh, is over at Reuters.com. Amazon lawsuit blames Trump for loss of Pentagon cloud contract. Uh, and we, we reported a few months back that uh, that Azure had gotten a $10 billion right. cloud contract uh, yep. from the Pentagon. And... Um, We've also, I mean, unless you've been living under a rock, you've probably heard that uh, that Donald Trump and, and Jeff Bezos aren't best buddies. They don't uh, they don't Shut get along. Your too much. No, mouth. they don't. Uh, who would have thought they don't? Which is, uh, you know, one thing that that unites our politicians because you know Alexandria Casio Cortez. Yep, I said all the words. Uh, she she doesn't like like him either because Amazon. Bezos? Yeah. I mean, because they're trying to put that, you know, the Amazon headquarters too up in. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the uh, whole thing over like uh, he wanted tax breaks, and they said no, and yeah. So, so not a big fan of anybody there at or from the government, and and he also owns Washington Post, right? Uh, Yes. Which is not a fan of Donald Trump. It's a whole. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's an amazing soap opera taking place right now. But basically, what they're saying here is that. 
that Amazon did not get that cloud contract, which a lot of people thought they were more suited for. Didn't they already have a, a good so, setup for that? We reported on this about six months ago mm-hmm. because Oracle was suing the government, saying that the U.S. military had drawn up this contract in a way that only Amazon could possibly win. Uh, so Oracle was really mad that they didn't stand a chance. And then we were all kind of shocked that Microsoft won. Which really defeated the whole Oracle lawsuit. I know. (laughs) Well, now Amazon is suing and not saying it like, wait a minute, we had them specially draw up this contract for us, (laughs) but they didn't get it. And so the the rumor mill is basically saying that, uh, uh, you know, know, with Donald Trump not being happy with Amazon, they forced to pass on to the next provider and went down to Microsoft. Although I would argue that Microsoft's Azure has really come a long way in the last year, so they're all really viable platforms. And this was a big talk at, uh, at Microsoft Ignite too. From a, a lot of the the Azure people I talked to, were were really excited about uh, about this contract. And I think you know that's the kind of thing that can help them catch up really yeah. a lot. And I will say though, for for two guys that really tried to get me to say a lot of buzzwords, you didn't even you know highlight the one that I said in the headline of this article. Oh. Looking at both of your cards there. Which was what? Oh, cl- burp, burp. oh cloud. I would have got that one. I would have learned. <laughs> Some of us were thinking about the news, Peter. You know, yeah. it's hard hitting journalism. For as unfocused as you were. <laughs> so, this on the is one of the, the beginning. Like, we, we focused on this one contract, but I'm pretty sure like a year and a half ago, it, it was not Amazon directly, but several military contractors got contracts that were a sizable portion to migrate existing DoD services to Amazon's GovCloud. Yeah. Anyway, so. It's kind of interesting that we, we've heard a lot about this, but they've got a fair amount of government money already, right? Yeah, this is $10 billion, which sounds like a lot because we're normal people. Yeah. <laughs> but in the world of U.S. government spending, $10 billion is a very, very small amount. And uh, you know what I found interesting was that this is a military contract. And Google recently had employee revolt, basically, over some of their uh, AI being used in uh, – Artificial intelligence, so give me guys, mm-hmm. and <laughs> being used oh, I don't have that. in uh, in some of their government contracts are for the military, right? So employees were threatening to walk out. Uh, in this case, Microsoft is kind of embracing it and just saying, "Look, uh, we're we're good with the military contracts." And in this case, they'll get ten billion dollars uh, over the course of ten years. Yeah, I feel like Amazon has had some of that pushback from employees as well about. Uh, I think that was the atrocious working conditions in the warehouse. <laughs> oh, that's what. Yeah, it was yeah. about peeing in Gatorade bottles. Is yeah. what they were upset about. <laughs> yeah, that's hard to complain about military yeah. contracts when you're peeing in a Gatorade. Like, I didn't hear about that. I yeah. did not have a break. And I got confused because I brought lemon-lime Gatorade, and I was like, what is up? <laughs> Always smell your Gatorade before drinking yep, it. Yep. Pro tip. Yeah. <laughs> Pro tip for those of you in the industry. Uh, this, uh, this is my favorite episode of Technado so far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought we were going to get another buzzword right off the bat here, but that's the ad I'm looking at on the top of this page, at least on, on my page, Don. Oh, right. Oh, oh, ad blockers, so yeah. uh, he will not be seeing. Are you using Brave today? Uh, no, I'm using uh, Chrome. We I did talk am. about the Brave browser last and week. And it is blocking that ad that you're it's seeing. It's blocking that yeah. ad. Yeah, and uh, per their little thing, 23 tracking uh, pieces of code have been blocked on this site. Uh, I am using AdGuard. It picked up 24. Oh, dun, snap. Dun, dun. Uh, I am oh. using Chrome, and... I have all the ads. <laughs> I can't see the headline yeah, because glorious. of this pop-up. Hold on. And my CPU is running at 100%. It is. Yeah, also, <laughs> I just got a Bitcoin. <laughs> Look at me. Ooh, Bitcoin. Um, all right, this article is over on ZDNet.com. IBM's latest supercomputer will be used to build even more supercomputers. Of course. AIMOS? Amos? Uh, Amos. 
Like Corey Amos. If it's a little I, I'm going to say <laughs> AI most. They, they, they have an exclusive contract with Tori Amos just for this computer. In fact, she's in the computer. That's why there's only one of these. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She just say new names for new computers. <laughs> okay. It's for naming other computers. It's the it's 20, actually 24th computer. most powerful supercomputer worldwide. It was recently unveiled at the Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. Its main job? To find out how to build smarter hardware to support ever more sophisticated applications of AI. Have either of you read the Hitch? Guide to the Galaxy. I've watched the movie. I don't think I've ever read the book. Actually, it might have been The Restaurant at the End of the Universe. Anyway, one of those, um, you know, they they built a supercomputer to find out the answer to the ultimate question. That's Hitchhikers. Okay. And then, uh, you know, it it says 42, and they say, well, we didn't actually know what the question was. And so then the supercomputer has to design the computer that can figure out what the question was. (laughs) That's what IBM is doing. They've gone full circle. So Mm -hmm. now we will know. Uh, Deep Thought, is that what it was called? In the book, I don't remember. That was like twelve. I don't know. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was called Deep Thought. So, well, either um, way, doesn't matter. Yeah. So, not Amos. This is the, be- the beginning <laughs> of Skynet, right? Uh, assuming it hasn't already begun. Have you seen yeah, the I, things? I think, where- <laughs> I think Skynet already exists, man. I'm pretty sure our 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 elected officials no longer run the country. Sure. So somebody has to. I'm assuming it's Skynet. Yeah. <laughs> Congress does look like the definition of artificial intelligence, right? Although I feel like if there was a Skynet, the last Terminator movie would have been worthwhile. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, would they want you I to— I haven't seen Dark Fate. PR. Nobody has. Uh, so it's fun. I know one guy. <laughs> he's like, oh, that's right. All right. But that that's research on how to stop the machines. They don't want you to see that. <laughs> well— <laughs> Well— Unplug them. I think he, I mean, <laughs> Peter won. Peter won the argument. All right. And that's yeah. why Justin was here next week. Because he figured it out. <laughs> yep. And he, he made $10 billion over the next 10 years. Oh, I meant because the robots killed you uh, immediately when you Man, got I was going for incredible wealth and you went for demise. Before their batteries died. Uh, oh, good. Hey, no, shoot. This, this is an ad, too. <laughs> this looks was, like a headline. I was so hoping you were going to read it. <laughs> Well, now I got to know. I can't I'll just read. I'll just read this next one. Uh, give you guys the the square here. Uh, Verizon 5G Edge, bringing processing power closer to mobile users on the world's first 5G network, is an ad. <laughs> of Verizon, who is not a sponsor of Technado, probably should be. And they're not uh, 5G either, so it all kind of goes. Not 5G. Yeah. Okay, but no. If I scroll down to the bottom page, how many are you blocking on this one? Oh, how do I? I is this the Engadget article? Engadget. Oh yeah, they have twenty-six. Okay, yeah. we're going up. We're moving up in the world. Uh, Microsoft will shut down To Do app Wonderlist on May sixth. It hopes users will make the leap to its own To Do service. Wait, so they have so two To Do lists. Microsoft acquired Wonderlist a couple of years ago, and I don't know about you guys, but I loved Wonderlist. I used the heck out of it. Uh, when Microsoft acquired it, I thought, oh, nice, they're going to throw away their crappy To Do app, and they'll just you know rebrand Wonderlist. Bring together the best parts of both. But they didn't, no. and so over the course of two years, they did absolutely nothing with Wonderlist and absolutely nothing with To Do. And then all of a sudden, about five months ago, Microsoft started ramping up features in To Do. Still not where Wonderlist was. And uh, one of the, I think we reported on this, one of the former co-founders of Wonderlist, he came out and said, look, we sold Wonderlist to Microsoft. They're not doing anything with it. I'd like to buy it back. And Microsoft said no. Uh, and, but nobody knew when it was going to shut down. You just knew it was going to happen. Now they've announced it. So May 6th, in uh, oh, just under six months, uh, they're going to shut Wonderlist down. To-do has come a long way. It used to be terrible. It's actually really nice now. It's not... 
it's still not completely at wonderlist levels if you're used to like sharing lists to do isn't as good at that uh but everything else it, it does pretty well so they buy it for intellectual property uh, there was probably patents. some back end stuff or whatever yeah, they're yeah. using maybe some patents it's hard to say well it's, it's kind of like if you use the outlook mobile app they used to be a totally different app it was called a comply or a compli and so i used that and then yeah. one day i was like hey this doesn't what this is outlook now uh, and so they bought it and they just rebranded it and then they built features upon that. And Sunrise Calendar too, right? Wasn't Sunrise Calendar what became the calendar in Outlook? Uh, you know, I I'm not. I heard sure. that. That sounds familiar. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it made perfect sense. Oh, you're going to take Wonderlist and we're going to make it a Microsoft. But apparently that's not going to happen. You think the, the six month shutdown date is like a, a product roadmap of that's when we're going to have feature parity with Wonderlist? Maybe. Yeah. Just yeah. like Teams and Slack, Fe feature parity. Well, you know, Teams is doing great now, but when they first launched, Teams was not at feature parity I'm by a long sarcastic time. that it is so, now. So, Peter, I can actually find files in Teams, so I'll give them that. <laughs> yeah, because you don't get to see my GIFs that are blocking the files. <laughs> I know. That's because what I search for. I'm looking for that file that's a dot .zip. Did you mean this SpongeBob GIF? <laughs> I love that GIF. <laughs> the one with Patrick? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's very nondescript. Whatever. Um, all right, well, we're going to see if we can get through this next article without... Uh, all new levels of journalistic excellence. <laughs> Downloading. I insisted we cover this one on the show. Just for yeah. the record, if you wonder, this is my fault. This one is from uh, pharonix.com. Linus rejects, quote, size of member change from Linux 5.5 kernel. Um, so I just laughed at the headline, but didn't understand any of the words in the article. So I'm going to, I'm going to lean on you two here to tell me, uh, tell me about this member. All right. So inside of the Linux kernel, there are a number of functions that any application can tap into and many of them have various names and, and whatever. Uh, and they're kind of like, uh, like macros, you know, you have macros that are little shortcuts that you use in various programs. Well, the kernel has them too, right? Uh, there was a developer, actually an Intel developer, I think, I'm pretty sure he works for Intel, uh, who basically took three macros that existed and was collapsing them into a single one. And they, they did different things. There were a few different functions that were being uh, being worked with here. Uh, you know, they don't actually list them, but like size of field was one. Yeah, I think size of field. Things. And there's another, there's like maybe just a size of, and I think it's... Maybe a, the size of an array or well, something like that? Since he was collapsing three different macros, he tried to come up with one name that covered them all and came up with the rather humorous size of member. So if you need to calculate the size of your member, you can actually do that with this one single macro. Uh, it was rejected in 5.4 for various reasons, but in 5.5, Linus actually came out and uh, and said uh, you know, that he's still not convinced it needs to be in there. And then he says... And maybe it's the 13-year-old to me, but size of member just makes me go, that's puerile. So, <laughs> well, isn't it more about the the quality of the member? Not so much the size. Yeah. Like, are we calculating the wrong value here? Right. That's very possible. We are towing a line, possible. boys. We are towing a line. Uh, I, I, I would argue that taking three size ofs and putting them under a size of member could get confusing because size of field, size... Size of a member, who knows? I don't like it. Yeah, at the end of the day, this is probably a negligible performance increase and will probably just create confusion. And then somebody will come along and say, for backwards compatibility, we still need to map the old names, and it's all a big waste of time. But I got to chuckle out of it. I can't read this article without laughing. Uh, so anyhow, if you get bored, uh, you can pull up the GitHub history where this one has been rejected for 5.5. We'll see if we get it in the future. 
There's about like eight times during that that I wanted to say that's what she said, and I did not. So hats off to me, Good an job. adult. I'm proud of you. Thank yeah, you. You've really uh, progressed. All right, our next article <laughs> is on Engadget as well. Get a free phone. Shop now. Nope, no, I'm sorry. That's the ad again. <laughs> it's a new ad. Now. But literally, it's the entire page. It is. It, not on mine. Not I on can't mine. even, like, the second line of the headlines cut off on my regular. This is why Engadget doesn't normally make it into our news cycle. Monitor. Yeah. All right. Google Maps for iOS gets incognito mode. It's also easier to delete your location history on Android. So I assume oh, 69 shares right now. Uh, <laughs> I assume uh, this is just for uh, for cheating husbands, right? Sure. So uh, that your, your wife can't go in and, and see your Google map history? You know, unrelated, uh, my wife was telling me a story. She was listening to... Uh, <laughs> unrelated, well, not me. This not American unrelated. Life, whatever. But I was looking at the GPS <laughs> locations through your car. And, well, it, was uh, a, it was a husband and wife, and they had yeah. Fitbits. They would track their history, right? So I'm immediately thinking, oh, she watched GPS, yeah. saw the husband, whatever. But, you know, the husband would go on these trips, and he would... He would stay in a hotel and he wasn't going anywhere crazy, but she would see an increased heart rate at certain times and use that to the discover that he was cheating. Uh, so anyhow. Is there a fitness uh, center in that hotel? So uh, I <laughs> thought this was it. pretty interesting because the, the Google Maps uh, and uh, Justin, before the podcast started, you mentioned this right off the bat. You thought the same thing I did. Like, OK, so it doesn't keep your history and I've seen that history before. Like it, it shows where my Android devices have gone, and and you can map it all out. And Google Maps is really interesting. Uh, so it doesn't keep the history, but they still know where you've gone. Like there's no privacy here, right? Yeah, it's so they're they're doing some kind of geocoding necessary to plot your. Ma- they still have to know. Oh well, somebody requested this information at this latitude and longitude yeah. on the planet. Are they Here's just not they tying requested. it to that user then? Like it seems like is, it might be that they still have it. It's just not on your device. When the yeah. police put out a subpoena and say, where was Don, you know, on, on Wednesday, whatever, like, are are they, is that data still exist? I'm sure, right? Because if you think about how that mapping program works, so you have coordinates, you send those coordinates to Google and you say, please send me a picture of the map for that coordinate mm-hmm. so it can render it on your obviously phone. Knowingly. So they might throw away your, your coordinates but they still have a record of like, oh, yeah, we sent these images to that device to render. Not only that, so they have several API, like their places API. You can go, tell me all the places near this. And then if you click on a particular one, give me the information about that place. So if you look up restaurants and stuff through through Google. So if they have, oh, this person requested all of these things, they have a pretty good picture yeah. of, oh, well, yeah, Justin was looking to find some good barbecue and... There he is. And that doesn't even count all the shady crap they do, like the uh, Bluetooth beaconing yeah. and the Wi-Fi network detection and stuff where, you know, that that's not technically a part of iOS maps or, or whatever, uh, or Google Maps. So, um, you know, it's all different things that go along. But Apple is in the spotlight right now because some of the weird location data that the iPhone is collecting on its own. So I think Google is trying to get ahead of this and say, like, ooh, Apple's the bad guy. We're the good guy this time. But in reality... Google's still going to know all this information. I, I, f- I feel like that woman in your story was was already suspicious if she's taking the time to look at her husband's heart rate. I would assume so. Like, that's not... Unless they were super competitive about their fitness. Oh. So, <laughs> I remember uh, I, I watched an individual give a, a presentation about an application that they built that, like, combined all these IoT devices together and also had, like, the app had geolocation services. And he was like, look, I can turn on my fan and show you what's going on in my, um, 
in our apartment and his girlfriend was with him uh, and he was like turning on stuff in their apartment. I was like, that is weird. Like everybody's like, this is amazing. I'm like, this is weird. Come to find out because he was, the, he was like, look, I can also look at all of our family accounts and where we've been. And I was like, uh, nah, 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 nah. Listen, we have real trust issues. If you're like, well, you went to McDonald's on this day. I thought his girlfriend was going to be home in the in this story. Uh, and so the visitor. <laughs> well, her oh, twin, is there an ending to this? Her twin sister was, and he like showed, and he was like turning on the fan and like all kinds of lights and stuff. Like, Tur- stop turning on the fan. And it's like, she's like looking around, and then the twin sister's like, yeah, this is amazing. I'm like. He knows like where you movie. are everywhere. Paranormal activity, right? Yeah. You know, you don't yeah. tell them. <laughs> no, it's just Alexa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobody. Uh, all right, let's head over now to ThreatPost, uh, ThreatPost.com. And there, I said one of the words. Oh, yeah. It's right, in the, right inside of there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say another one now. <laughs> Ransomware attack hits data center provider Cyrus One. Report. So that's just a report. That does seem an odd headline, doesn't it? Yeah, just put <laughs> is colon that, Is that report. the appropriate use of a colon? Well, let me say, I'll, <laughs> I'll say it the right way, yeah. Ransomware attack hits data center provider Cyrus One colon report. <laughs> so it was it's like, a report on their colon? No, it, yeah, it was a backdoor attack. <laughs> they were able to... Did Cyrus One had a colonoscopy? Does that count as the dark net? That... <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, do you still need to do a colonoscopy now? Because I've seen the commercials where you crap in a box. <laughs> Is that instead it of a colonoscopy? Depends on what kind of risk you're at. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, <laughs> that seems a lot better. Uh, yeah. How do you take that to the post I'd office? like to schedule a UPS pickup. <laughs> For what? As quickly you should wear as gloves. <laughs> <laughs> Please come as soon as possible. <laughs> Taco Bell, baby. It's at the front desk at the office. Uh, I'm just thinking... <laughs> What, what can Brown do for you? <laughs> All right. All right. So anyway, the experts anyway, say the incident Cyrus shows. This one's got us ransomware attack, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can I read the next? Can I read the next line of the article? Sure, yeah. Security experts say the incident shows cyber criminals are using ransomware to hit companies where it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Where the sun don't shine. All right, well, so this one's going off the rails, but uh, yep. Yep. we have another classic example of network infrastructure being attacked or targeted by uh, threat actors. Uh, so I'll, I'll give you the word threat there, Peter. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So um, in this scenario, we've got a, a data center provider, Serious One, who uh, you know has been hit by ransomware. And that's a problem because if their underlying infrastructure, they didn't really say what it was, but a lot of them are just using like, Linux builds running Zen or KVM or whatever, then they've automated everything that lays on top of it, uh, or using cPanel or other things to kind of manage deployments. So when those get hit, the clients, the the customers that have virtual machines, they get taken offline. And this is a pretty big one. Uh, I think they said it affected um, more than 185 of the 1,000 or Fortune 1,000 customers worldwide. Yeah. So actually, it would have been more people than that were affected uh, company-wise. So uh, pretty big deal. They did have backups, though. Apparently, they are working to restore service. And actually, by by this point here on the podcast, I think they have already restored all the service for that. Uh, but it is a, a pretty big mess. And it's almost like another advertisement saying, if you're not working with more than one cloud provider, <laughs> you really should be evaluating that. Uh, because in this case, you know, if, if they went down, your entire infrastructure might go down. Uh, 
the other thing on this though is that a lot of times when you look at cloud providers, you don't actually know where their physical infrastructure is. Like, you know, we could make the Technado cloud service, which nobody would want to use, but, uh, and then in, in turn, we're just using hardware that we're renting from Rackspace or Azure or whoever. So it looks like we've kind of got our own infrastructure, but we're really just reusing somebody else's. So, you know, you got to have a good understanding of, of where your infrastructure is running and, uh, whether it's being properly maintained and, you know, receiving routine inspections annually. That is a hard thing to navigate because a lot of times these cloud providers also kind of co-locate just because of... Yeah of how things work, like Northern Virginia, I'm pretty sure every cloud provider I've ever used has a Northern Virginia location. Um, so you're like, oh, well, are they the same? Are they different? And then if you try to reduce cost by using maybe some smaller ones, who knows? Maybe they're just resellers. It's it's very hard to navigate. Do you ever get, uh, not necessarily bored, but do a little research on the North, North Virginia? Uh, you can pull up Google Maps. Of, it's all blurred out, isn't it? But no, you, you'll actually see these massive warehouse spaces where it's labeled like, Amazon Web Corporation or something like that. And, and there's like eight or nine of them. And there's more than what shows up in the AWS map. So you like you know some of them are ones that are unpublished. Gotcha. Uh, and then there's several other companies. So they, they actually do have separate data centers in a lot of cases, but they're geographically very, very close. Yep. yep. So. All right, gentlemen. Well, uh, good job composing yourselves on that one and uh, try to remain composed here for the next article from ZDNet. Snatch Ransomware reboots PCs in Windows safe mode to bypass antivirus apps. Unlike most ransomware strains, the Snatch Ransomware also steals files from infected networks. So that's dangerous because if you can if you can reboot a PC in a safe mode, you've got a lot more uh, you're so, in the BIOS and stuff, right? When I read this one, the the first thing I thought, well, the first thing I thought was, you know, I'm a child. Yeah, and so yeah. there's that. Uh, but then the second thing was... Thank you for your honesty. Does... Uh, does Windows still have safe mode? Because I, I thought Windows 10 didn't even have that. So I had to go and read to, to find out. But sure enough, it, it does still have a way to boot into a limited functionality mode. You know, in the olden days, you could press F8 while booting. You yeah. can't do that anymore. Uh, but you can actually boot into a safe mode. And in that mode, antivirus is disabled. And a lot of users are not used to seeing safe mode. So they don't even know what that means. And, and if you have safe mode written in the corner of your screen, people feel safe. They're like, oh, well, this is, this is a good thing, right? And meanwhile, they're being encrypted. Uh, this particular ransomware is a little bit more nasty than what we've seen because it's also exfiltrating data. Uh, a lot of ransomware will just encrypt your stuff and then demand a ransom. This one's actually sending data out, which means regardless of whether you pay the ransom or not, somebody's got your files. Uh, and so that makes this one a little more insidious than some of the ransomware that we have seen previously. Oh, I see, because most ransomware attacks, they're not actually taking your files. They're just encrypting them so you can't have your files. Yeah, and so a lot of companies don't even have to report that as a breach. Right? I mean, they should, but they don't, and they're not legally held to it. Here, you would. I just think it's odd that there's a, a message from a user called Bulletooth Tony mm-hmm. oh. later on there. So I'm guessing well, Snatch is based on the movie, and Bulletooth oh, Tony the guy. Yeah. brought it to him, by the way. If you haven't seen Snatch, great film. Great film. Yeah. yeah. Like, why, why should I listen to you? Because on the side of my gun, it says... <laughs> Desert Eagle point five zero, And on the side yeah. of yours, it says... Replica. <laughs> should turn on the subtitles for that film. Yes. Also. Yeah. Especially yeah. Mickey and every once in a while, Bricktop. You're like, yeah. what is he saying? Like Degs? <laughs> you like Degs? Those were actually words he was yeah. saying. Look at that. And by the way, uh, Verizon, 5G from the network more people rely on. 5G built right. <laughs> uh, all right. 
I, I assume I'm getting paid for this. I just don't know how. You, you're our shill. Uh, I, I'm really excited about this next article over on Yahoo, uh, Yahoo Entertainment, which we, we normally don't spend a lot of time on, but but here we go. Apparently their website's still up. Social media influencer, uh-oh, sentenced to 14 years for devising plan to steal domain name at gunpoint. That That's one way to go about it. I mean, so, I, I get mad at at. Squatters as well. We reported on this one, uh, it was a while ago now, I feel like it was last year, uh, about how dumb it was. Like, if you rob somebody of a domain name, there's a total paper trail of you of making them transfer ownership to you, and all they have to do is go to the police, and that gets taken care of. Well, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And well, uh, Even if you set up a shell company, you can just look, okay, where's that domain pointing now? Oh, this guy, he's probably the one that benefited from yeah. this. Yep, and so in this case, uh, we do have the follow-up here, which is he got sentenced to 14 years. So all those times where we say that uh, you know there's really no true punishment for cybercrime, in this case there is, although I would say the actual punishment here is for the brandishing of a firearm. Not... I thought it was strong-arm robbery. Yeah. Isn't te- technically yeah. armed robbery? Uh, if he's taken something of monetary value? Well, now, did the, the influencer didn't No, he had a friend do it. So um, this would be conspiracy yeah, or racketeering? He, yeah, the, the friend got 20 years. Ooh. And shot. And shot? <laughs> yes. Uh, it's uh, on entering the home. Uh, <laughs> Hopkins, the, the friend, uh, kicked down the bedroom door. The domain owner, um, who had heard him break in and tried to hide, ordered the victim to follow instructions uh, d- uh, on the demand note before pistol whipping him uh, and holding the gun to his head. Then the victim attempted to wrestle the gun away. And subsequently, he was shot in the leg, but then he managed to shoot Hopkins in the chest multiple times before calling police. Mm. And Hopkins lived to be sentenced to 20 years after being shot multiple times in the chest. So what kind of gun was this? Well, Replica. Uh, yeah. yeah. Now he's going to receive uh, you know, top-grade health care at one of our correctional facilities. Sure. For all those 380 rounds in his mm-hmm. chest. I don't care how small the caliber is. It couldn't have felt good. No, no. <laughs> Trust me, I don't want to get shot ever, ever. But if you shoot me. However, if I had to pick between getting shot and being stabbed, I go shot every time. Really? Yeah. Never Why see it coming. Um, I'm talking like long distance, pow, pow. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. No, I, I, long distance stabbing is what I want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He shot that knife out of a gun. Is that a boomerang? <laughs> What's coming? It's coming right here. Yeah. Am I supposed to catch it? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that's that's a good answer to a question I didn't know I I had. Shut up, Peter. <laughs> All right. Uh, By the way, forty-five things blocked on that Yahoo Internet on the Yahoo one. Oh, yeah. I thought you pulled that out of the web archive or something. I didn't know it was still up either. Yeah, so. that's amazing. That's still a thing. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, our next this next thing. article from GeoCities. <laughs> Angel Fire. <laughs> yeah, Byer. baby. I'm logging into the bulletin board right now. And all right. Uh, on Slate.com here, the Silicon Valley's. Uh, Finale's critical failure. So no spoilers here. Don't worry, folks, because I learned uh, right before we started filming that neither Don or Justin watched Silicon Valley. Uh, Justin has seen none, and Don has seen one that, like two or two, or two that episodes, he was told yeah. to watch. But uh, this was a great show. Sorry, I'm, I'm really—so uh, right under Slate, the—yours says abandons all pretense of hyper-realism. Mine says a black hole of need. Mine says a black hole of need as well. That's a weird phrase, right? So it's a weird uh, tagline. Yeah, a like. black hole of need. Anyway, uh, no, I have not seen yeah. any Silicon Valley. Well, it just came to an end, and and I will say, 
uh, as someone that, I mean, we're in the industry, you know, we're in the tech community. It it was the most true to life uh, show that I'd I'd seen in terms of, you know, they were they were using agile, they were um, saying the right things. I, I I would look up sometimes after shows like, hey, that whole thing they just talked about about how they're going to set up, you know, that uh, firewall or something is that is that right? And yeah, sure enough, it is. I mean, they were using. Wi-Fi pineapples, and that's that's where I first you know heard about those and things like that. So uh, if you have not seen it yet and you have an HBO account, uh, definitely go back and watch it because it's a lot of fun. I know we've had it creep up in a number of our like management meetings where we'll be talking about somebody something and and one person in the meeting will say like you know they did that in Silicon Valley yeah. and uh, it reminds me of The Office right mm-hmm. or not The Office Office Space oh sure you see the movie Office Space yeah. where it really was kind of telling a true story of what it was like to work in. Well, and, those companies. And we were talking with some of the younger employees here that had not seen Office Space recently. I think it was you and I, and and we were quoting them, mm-hmm. and they, they didn't realize. We, no, we're still quoting the movie now. These are. I know they sound sound like <laughs> somebody's things got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Peter, what is yeah. it you say you do here? Well, uh, first of all, I don't want to get into that. Um, <laughs> so, I'm sneaking the back to make sure no so one the, sees it. I'm there late. Are, there are months of me walking over to his desk and saying, "Hey, Peter. Yeah, exactly. What's happening?" And <laughs> the Peter people around, around the millennials that surround his desk have no idea what I'm talking yeah. about. They just, why does Don talk slow when he's talking to Peter? Is what? something wrong? Why is he always <laughs> saying, "Check out Channel 4? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, the Diedrich Bader character just came to my yeah. mind, and I can't say any of those things. So. I, I would <laughs> I would put this on par with that so what i think six seasons um 30 minute episodes you know so it's not it's not a long binge if you got a big commit yeah if you want to check it out but uh yeah i would recommend doing that but uh another thing you can binge is darknet diaries uh which i think there's 50 some odd uh episodes right now about uh, 53 yeah. yeah about um 45 minutes to an hour each. So um, that uh, is what we're going to be talking about next. But let's take a break before we bring in uh, Jack Reesider of Dark Knight Diaries. That's coming up after this on TechNado. Will you be in or near Gainesville, Florida anytime soon? Then you should come see IT Pro TV. Make plans to visit the studios. Get a tour. Meet your favorite entertainer. See what goes on behind the scenes every day to bring the best of classroom learning to IT professionals around the world. Simply chat with the member services team on the IT Pro TV website and let us know when you'll be visiting. We'll see you soon. All right, welcome back to TechNado. We have a very special guest today joining us. Uh, we have Jack Resider, who is the host and creator of Darknet Diaries. Very cool podcast uh, for those of you that, that have heard it, or if you haven't, we'll find out a lot about it today. So, Jack, how you doing? Great. Oh, wow, thanks for having me here. This is awesome. Yeah, thank you for joining us. And for those that are watching the video now, you'll you'll see that that, that is not uh, necessarily Jack. Uh, it could be. We have a, an artist rendering of what we believe uh, Jack to look like, but uh, this is know, like Bigfoot from Witness it's Exactly like <laughs> yeah. Bigfoot. But uh, yeah, you, you you like to keep your anonymity, which I completely understand as a security professional. And uh, is that just uh, to kind of keep the persona up, or you know, are you are you worried about like retribution from the people you're exposing on the dark? Yeah, a, a little bit of everything, right? There, I I am a privacy fanatic, so I want to make sure that I'm doing best practices myself. And in the past, I have had someone. Uh, you know, some YouTube videos I've uploaded like over a decade ago, 
somebody tracked me to where I work using that uh, OSINT wow. and stuff like that. It's a kind of triangulation based on some of the uh, features in the background and trees and buildings. And they figured out like where I was and then they looked up all kinds of extra stuff. So I have kind of been freaked out before by having my face on the internet. So I, I kind of just do a little bit of a shroud there and see how it goes. So you're telling me all the paranoia that I thought was a little overblown <laughs> is actually valid. Yeah, it very is valid. Yeah. That's, okay. Well, that's I feel better I about say. myself. <laughs> I mean, if that happened to me, I'd be like, you know, I, 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 I'm scared. I'm upset with you, but I'm also very impressed. You know, no, just based on no, that reason. No, there's no, no impressed. While you were being stabbed, you would think like, I'm so flattered by this <laughs> moment here <laughs> to be stabbed by this guy. Who, yeah. you know, he's <laughs> who are you again? <laughs> uh, so, for those that uh, that have not heard the podcast before, how, how would you describe it? It's like a like a true crime. Um, I mean, it's kind yeah. of like yeah. It has a it has a little bit of it has feet in all kinds of different things. It's a bit educational, a bit newsy, a bit storytelling, a bit true crime. Uh, basically, I was really inspired by podcasts like This American Life and Radio Lab, and wanted a show that just does hacker stories or people who have been hacked or have, or have done a hack or some kind of been infected by one. And I was like, there's these are such great stories. They're high drama, you know. Sometimes the FBI is involved and that kind of thing. So I just started. I couldn't find a show that was doing that. So I made one for myself just so I could listen to it. Right. And other people like it too. So yeah, I sometimes interview hackers or people who have uh, been affected by a breach or, or uh, something. And, and then, you know, it, it's in a kind of a storytelling mode as well. So there's a little music behind it and stuff like that. And it, it's really fun. So was there one specific story that led you to say, oh, I've, I've got to go out and tell this story. It's finally time to, uh, to do this podcast, or is this something you've just been working up to for a while? Yeah, I think it was the shell shock or something like that, where, where like four years after the fact, I had learned about so much other stuff that came out, like um, open SSH forked into like uh, Libra SSH, with then fixed a bunch of bugs, which then merged back into open SSH. And then open SSH got like $400,000 worth of extra funding from different businesses. And I'm like, where were the news cycles telling me all this? I had no idea if open SSH was still a problem. And it looks like it had a lot of uh, you know help after this breach. So I, I really wanted someone to give me a story from front, from beginning to end. Okay, here's Here's who the hacker was, why they got in, what the bug was, the exploit, all this stuff that went through and knocked over something. And then what was the result and the end, you know, damages done. And then did anyone get arrested? And then what, you know, like, let's wrap it all up in a bow because our current, you know, InfoSec news is kind of like, uh, if you miss a couple days then you might be behind and not know what's going on. So I kind of am a slow news junkie where I want to wait until everything is done before then I start putting it all together and seeing what the story is. You know, that's something I was really curious about is when a, when a breach happens, companies have actually gotten a lot better about notifying us pretty quick, right? That, Hey, you know, a breach occurred, but details, details either take a long time to come out or don't come out at all. And, and so there's a lot of times where you hear about a huge breach, like the Equifax breach, and it takes months before you get a hint on what happened. Or, uh, you know, it, it can even just never occur. Years later, you look back and you're like, well, how did that breach occur? So how how are you able to find that? Are, are you are you just like digging through all the various news sources or are you starting like have you gained enough popularity now where you're actually getting feedback from insiders? Well, yeah, I mean, one of the tricks I have is uh, Google Alerts. So I have, uh, you know, such one is 
hacker sentenced. Now, if if you see a news article that says this hacker was sentenced to five years in jail or something, well, now I have the whole story, right? I know who the hacker was, how they got arrested, what they did, who they hit, you know, all these things. And now the final result, the verdict of, okay, well, they hit and they landed five years in jail. So now we can rewind. And they, oftentimes when I hear hacker sentenced, I don't even, I've never even heard of that whole story, right? So when Google Alerts usually brings me something I've never even heard of, and it's really fascinating to then go back and say, okay, what did this guy do? And what, was, what were all the problems? So that's one big thing. And yeah, people, um, people respect the show enough that they're like, hey, I'll tell you my story. And I'm getting some very interesting stuff come to me. Do you have difficulty getting these people to, to speak about it? Because you're actually doing interviews with the people involved with these, with these cases. Uh, it, do you have a lot of stories that you've wanted to tell, but maybe can't get people to agree to come on? Oh yeah, definitely. The uh, the number of t- t- you know shoulder taps I've done and weird looks I've gotten, like yeah, dude, like I'll tell you my story, sure, and just like kind of laugh at me. Uh, that's just you know an, an infinite amount of those. So uh, you know that that happens, and I just keep tapping on shoulders, and eventually I get somebody who's like, yeah, you know, I, I definitely will will talk to you about it. And so, so this- it's uh, a numbers game there. But you know when I when I talk to them, I, oftentimes I'm bringing up like the worst part of their history you know like the hardest time of their life and at first i used to feel bad asking them to like tell me about that time you were you know raided by the fbi and how and what your parents thought of you at that point you know like it, it's hard but at the same time nobody may have ever sat down with that person and listened to the whole story and so it is cathartic to a lot of these people to just let's do the whole story and it's all about you and and let's get it off your chest and hear everything and you know there were times that were you know, depression was a big, serious so, thing. So you know, let's talk about that for a while. So I think people do like saying our story at the end. Sorry. So you're, you're putting these out about every, about every two weeks, it looks like. So how, how many of these do you actually have kind of in the hopper that you're working on at one given time? Because, you know, these are really well put together, you know, journalistic pieces, a lot of investigation going on. So um, do you have a lot of different ones that you're, you're working on? And just when one wraps up, you're able to release that? Yeah, I think... Um, I think at this point I'm working on like 10 at a time. <laughs> uh, so I, I'll, I'll get an interview whenever I can and then just get that saved and then, you know, work on, you know, like rearrange it to when I think I might want to put that in the, in the feed and, and then start working on it when the time comes. So I've got a lot of interviews already completed and then I'm working with some people who are interested in sharing a story, but I haven't yet you know, interviewed them. So yeah, probably about 10 and then I'm also fostering a lot of relationships, just not quite asking people to talk, but then, you know, getting them, you know, to familiar with me and understand who I am. So there's a lot of stuff always going on at once. So how do you decide, like, when an episode is done, like when it's ready to be released? Because I, I, I feel like with a lot of the stuff that you could constantly continue just digging and digging and find out more and more details. So eventually there reaches a point where, you know, you, you feel there's enough information to go ahead and release. Is that do you have like a set of rules you follow or it's just you feel like it's ready? Yeah, I mean, there's so when I first started doing this, I tried to learn how to be a storyteller. And there's there's a lot of resources out there. So like for one, uh what is that? Uh, Can, Can, Khan Academy has combined with Pixar to create a whole course on storytelling. And it's just great. Like it tells you about character development and story arc and twists and turns and what needs to be done. So if I can look at, you know, a hacking story and see that there's enough 
meat in there and length and stuff. And it has twists and turns. And there's a whole arc that kind of kind of resolves, you know, that we might have stories where we don't know who the hacker was at the end. And so those are unresolved. But still, there's enough to say that, you know, a story has, you know, had its full arc. Then that's when I think that it's worthy for the show. And then, you know, if I can then get it get all the pieces together where I write it and get whatever interviews I can and stuff. And then, yeah, I'll listen to it probably 10 times before I do publish it too, to just make it better and better. And eventually I'm just done with working on that episode because I put so much effort into it. And I'm just like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. It's just ready to go. Have you, have you had any where you've gone back like afterwards as a follow-up or, you know, you learned some new detail that you've really felt you had to address? Yeah, for sure. There was a, there's a, a few that I don't quite get right. I, I, I have, I guess, a typo of the mouth where I, I say the wrong thing and I, I do go back and I fix it. And um, yeah, and then a couple of times there, are been, there have been follow-ups where um, you know, a hacker was sentenced because maybe I just caught the story when the hacker was arrested but not quite sentenced. So I'm like, hey, I'll, I'll go back and say what the sentence was. So I do add every now and then a few extra things just to keep it a little bit better. So tell me a little bit about your your history, if you could, um, how how you uh, got into this. I mean, looking at your your heavily redacted um, LinkedIn, uh, <laughs> you uh, you say you were a network security architect. So that could be uh, kind of a lot of things. So uh, talk about how uh, that led you to this. Yeah, there. I mean, in the '90s, I got a computer and just fell in love with the internet, and have been in love ever since. So like, you know, what thirty years, whatever of just loving computers. And yeah, I went to school for computers, uh, got a bachelor's degree in computer engineering and then couldn't get a job. And then finally got a certificate like many years later of in Cisco, CCNA. And that landed me in uh, a knock, which then got me exposed to a lot of stuff. I saw, you know, millions of problems a day and that took me into the security path. And so I became a Cisco uh, CCN, C, CCSP, Cisco, secu- <laughs> Cisco Security Professional. And it just kept getting certs in Cisco and Juniper and Fortinet and, and Palo Alto and Checkpoint, every cert that I could just to get all the firewalls under my belt and security devices. And, and that was my thing was um, network security uh, engineer and then you know architect eventually and started to build a SOC at some point too and mon- monitoring the logs and alerts that were, were generated in there. And that's what I was doing for about 10 years before switching to this podcast. And this podcast, this, this is full-time now, right? You're, uh, you, you left the, yeah. the other career behind? That's awesome. It, it, it completely, I mean, I, I was burnt out at work and um, said, okay, I just need to get out of here. And I had the podcast just starting up and I had one Bitcoin. So I was, and it was kind of at the peak of Bitcoin. So I was able to sell that one Bitcoin for a pretty penny, which gave me like a three month runway to say, okay, I can, I can quit my job and hang out for three months before going back to work. And that's why I focused on the podcast during that time. And it was able to take off and, and show me, uh, you know, potential, like it was earning a few bucks and I'm like, okay, I could just like next month to learn, you know, a few bucks more. And I think, I think I can get through this. So it was just enough, just barely enough to get me through it without, uh, having to go back to work. And yeah, this is a full-time job now. So do you, do you miss anything from working in terms of keeping your skills up to date or are there things that you're doing now in addition to, um, you know, the research you're doing and the stories you're creating to, uh, to keep yourself up to date on, on, uh, you know, all the latest, uh, uh, things that are going on in, in the, in the hacking world? Yeah. 
it's uh it's it takes more effort right i have to get off off my butt and actually go do stuff as opposed to being at work i'd just be thrown into the into the fire constantly but you know i was a i was the kind of guy that built a lab while i was working right so i've got I've got a whole bunch of Cisco gear and some other gear in my in my lab in my garage. So and that's in you know in the, in the production of my house. So so I, I do get to get in that all the time and and reroute traffic and open ports and stuff whenever I'm building cool things. But uh, yeah, I do I do pull up some VMs and start doing stuff. But it's always just for fun and just just out of curiosity to practice. And it, it do I do get rusty on it. That's for sure. Now, I know you've interviewed uh, a number of people that were actually involved in certain hacks and breaches that you've uh, you know talked to the hackers themselves, which is always really cool. Uh, what about on the the side of like the companies that are are getting attacked? Uh, do you find that they're willing to communicate and share information with you, or, or do you have to kind of rely on the court documents or whatever for their information? Yeah, that's a good question. the uh, The companies themselves have a really uh, I have a harder time getting someone to talk about a breach that happened to them. Versus the hacker who actually did the breach, they seem to be more uh, willing to talk about the illegal stuff they did versus the people who actually have the egg on their face, which is really interesting, right? And I think that was a, kind of another reason I wanted to start the show is to share what it's like to be breached and talk about what were your first steps, what were the right things you did, what were the wrong things you did, and we don't talk about that enough from from you know boots on the ground perspective. We talk about it from an expert level perspective, you know, outside the bubble saying, this is what I think they did right and this is what I think they did wrong. Well, it's, I think it's better to actually get from, from the people who are there. And um, yeah, I have a couple, inc- a couple episodes where people have actually experienced something and you know, we walk through that. But um, that is something I do want to focus on more is getting, getting more companies themselves able to talk about the breach that they experienced because I, I think there's a lot of value in talking about that. So it seems like you still like to to get your hands dirty, so to speak, you know, with your uh, your lab and house and things. But ten interviews and and ten episodes going at any one time—that's a lot of work. From your your research and your perspective, are there things that, as security professionals, we're saying, "Hey, you should do X, Y, and Z," but you're finding from getting kind of deep in the weeds with these individuals that that's not actually right. Like, hey, you should always do—I uh, don't know. Change Data. the admin password. Yeah, change the admin password. <laughs> and you're like, oh, well, actually, no, we found out a lot of times that doesn't work. Yeah. Or is it just, yeah, we're doing the right things. We just don't do them very well. Well, I th- I think I think a lot, I mean, I'm not sure if I get something pops into my head right away on what I'm hearing as, as bad advice. But I think um, I think what we focus on maybe a little bit too much is is some of the advice that is like if you're if you're if you're, if you want to have, you know, you want to be good at something versus you want to be a pro athlete and you want to add that, you know, half millisecond better. (laughs) Right. So there's, there's a lot of progress you can make on basic things. And then there's a little progress you can make on, well, we should, you know, do this one little, you know, tip or something. So like the basic stuff is up keeping your, off your stuff up to date. Right. If you could just always keep everything up to date, you're going to have, you're going to make hackers a lot you know, to give, make their life a lot harder. And that's kind of the goal here is to make it harder and harder for them. You're never going to make it completely impossible, but you want to make it so that they have to spend more energy, more time, more money, whatever it is to get into your network, because then you may catch them or they just may give up. So, um, you know, the, just the big wins, I think are the things we need to be focusing on more. 
and the the smaller things after that, it's just hard. You know, it's hard when you're trying to secure your network to figure out what should I focus on first, and uh, or or the most important stuff. And so, um, you know, a, a lot of security tips come out that yeah, they're good advice, but it's just like small versus some of the other bigger things. Well, I think this kind of ties into my question from earlier that with a lot of companies, it's almost a catch-22 that it, they know that if they share how their breach occurred, that other people can learn from it and defend their networks better. But at the same time, I think a lot of them have a perceived liability. They feel like if they share, here's how we got breached, that it might make them look negligent. And so now they become you know liable for those losses or they lose their cyber insurance or something. So it's almost like the... I don't know, the financial system or public relations or whatever has set them up to want to hide those details and not share with other people to help them secure yeah, better. Well, would you take on a story if if they said, hey, we'll we'll go on this, but as long as you change all of our names, including our company name, and and uh, you know, so we're we're not held liable like that. Yeah, I've taken on a couple of those. In fact, there was a, a couple even where the person didn't want their voice on it, so we had to change the voice. And the best way to do that is to just get voice actors to re- read the script or, you know, reread the, the interview notes. And yeah, we've gone that through that if, if that's what's needed. So yeah, I'm definitely up for hiding the people who don't want to be hidden. Sure. So uh, I, I mentioned to a couple of people in the office that uh, that we were doing this interview this week and found out a couple of ladies here that have a, a crush on you. I didn't ask any of the guys, but um, <laughs> one of them might or uh, might not be Don's wife. But um, my uh, my question is, what kind of f- feedback have you heard from other people that, you know, that are listening? Uh, if people found that it it's helped them or are people reaching out to you now with, with story ideas? Oh, it's just incredible. I, I'm just so blown away. And the, to to make something, you know, artistic-like or creative-like and to have people uh, just appreciate it, is, it gives me a high that's just so pure and clean that can just drive me to the moon. You know, it's so amazing. But, you know, some of the things I've done is um, reached kind of the younger audience, like the teenagers who may not know because they're in circles where everyone's doing this, right? And they don't know it's wrong or bad or what kind of trouble they can get into or that they can even do this thing, get paid doing it. That's the thing that kind of blows their mind. So they're like, well, I thought this was just for fun. I can actually go get a job, like pen testing, like sign me up. Why am I screwing around doing this for free, right? (laughs) So, uh, you know, I get, I, I reach some of the younger audience and then they get inspired to actually go do this as a career. And I think that's some of the most uh, amazing things that I've heard from people. And uh, yeah, just other people has, have told me that they've switched careers to security and other people who aren't even close to security, like they're painters or mechanics or something, just are completely absorbed into it because they, I mean, this is the topic of everyone's mind, right? You go get your haircut and the, the barber's talking about hacks and stuff like Everyone knows about this and, and is interested and curious. So I try to make it reachable to everyone. At the same time, I want it to be, um, you know, still informative for people like us who are in the InfoSec space and understand all this stuff. So, you know, it just coincidence, I guess. But my my barber, this is a true story, <laughs> legitimately asked me, like, Don, if you know how to do this, why don't we write ransomware and just move to Russia? And I, my answer was... Uh, I don't like being a criminal. <laughs> and I thought it was an odd question to ask, but you are absolutely right that, you know, your barber, everybody hears about this and there's a lot of fear and uncertainty around it. So, uh, you know, thank you for creating your resource to help people learn a little more about the the reality of what's going on out there and what can be done. 
Yeah, and I think I was sort of inspired by a talk that um, I think it was Leslie Carhart and Johnny Christmas did. And they said, don't try to be, I mean, you can try to be a, a rock star in the infosec space, but it's really hard, right? There's a lot of rock stars here. Try to be a rock star, not in the info space, but about infosec. So like go to Comic-Con and tell them you're a pen tester and watch all their jaws drop and ama- they're going to be amazed at you that you can, you know, talk about hacking in, in such detail on stage. Like that is an interesting way to reach out, you know, beyond our bubble and get to things. And that was very inspirational to me. And I'm like, well, how can I reach to people? And I thought a podcast um, might do that. And I think it has. So um, I, I think it's interesting to get outside our bubble as well and, and see what kind of impact we can make there. Yeah, and I really appreciate that because I, uh, you know, I, I hear Don and, and Justin talk about these things in detail of what's happening each week. But uh, you know, I'm not in a position where I could, you know, get in and understand the code or things. But you know, listening to to episodes of, of your show, I, I'm able to actually understand it. So it's not just it's not just for hackers uh, or or people in the industry to listen to. But at the same time, people in the industry would would certainly appreciate you know the the insight and and uh, and understanding that you're providing there so for for those that are uh, at home and want to uh, want to listen that have not before uh, what's the best way to to find you well the easiest thing is to uh, go to darknetdiaries.com you can listen to the show right on there or find it in your podcast player darknet diaries and i'm most active on twitter which uh, my name there is jack Resider on twitter yep and that's spelled r H-Y-S-I-D-E-R. So uh, definitely uh, check them out there. But Jack, thank you so much for taking the time with us today. Well, this has been super fun. Thanks, guys. And uh, hopefully we're never featured on an episode of, of Darknet Diaries. <laughs> yeah, but... I kind of want that. <laughs> like every every business should have in the back of their head, let's not get on Darknet Diaries. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we've made it. Yeah, that's, that's how you know you've made it. Well, thank you, Jack, uh, for, uh, for taking the time today. And thank all of you for watching. But stay tuned. We've got more Technado coming up right after this. Are you a career changer or a budding tech pro who's looking to start their career in IT? I'm Wes Bryan, and along with my fellow IT Pro TV edutainer, Cherokee Boos, we've just shot a new show just for you. Each week, we'll dive into topics to help you launch your career in tech. Watch how to get started in IT on YouTube now. Just head to youtube.com forward slash IT Pro TV to watch and look for new episodes every Saturday at 9 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time. All right, welcome back to TechNado. Thank you so much to Jack for joining us, and I assume that's what he looked like with the the goatee and the, the glasses. Spit an image. Yep. Yeah. Oh, you've seen him. Yep. Oh, wow. it's like watching an episode of South Park, except he's a real person. Yep. Yeah. We should have made the mouth move, like a, like a Canadian though, where the whole hair <laughs> and some beady eyes and, and, and flabby head. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Nailed it. Uh, yeah. So uh, thanks to him, and definitely check out uh, Darknet Diaries. Uh, also, a couple other things to check out while you're on the internet. Uh, first of all, you can go over to itpro.tv/webinars. Uh, just had a webinar on high velocity IT. Uh, leading your team in a VUCA environment uh, with Joe Peacock. That'll be going up in the archive soon. And then I think we're doing a another uh, a follow-up to DAS, uh, to the Desktop as a Service webinar. DAS. DAS. Um, because we had so many questions on that one. Uh, so we'll be doing that soon. But we also are playing... IT Jeopardy with Don as your host and Justin, you're one of the contestants. That's taking place on uh, December 17th at 2 p.m. 
U.S. Eastern Time. If you want to learn more about that, if you're not a member of IT Pro TV, which you need to be to watch that, um, you can sign up. It is completely free, though. Um, so you can sign up for that at go.itpro.tv slash it dash jeopardy uh head over there and you can watch that that'll be a lot of fun we're doing that completely live uh and live and unscripted and do you have all the questions done yet done no okay good i got a lot of them done i've actually been uh i've been doing testing against various employees here in the company and uh, not with any of the ones that are actually on the show right right and i'm trying to make sure it's going to be fun yeah the questions will be challenging, but not impossible. Yeah, the goal is not to stump everyone. Or, right. And, and the last thing we want to do is make the agitators here look like idiots. I know. That, they do that on their own. Is that really the last thing we want well, to do? It feels like that's part of it. <laughs> I feel like, that's that like that a would, job description. I feel like that like, would hurt the brand. Like, yeah, watch this idiot who didn't know, he well, didn't even know what so that was. I'm trying to write developer questions for Justin, but right. I'm not a developer. And so I took my questions back to the dev team to bounce them off of them. And when they started getting some of the, what I thought were the easy ones wrong, I was like, okay, I got to do better. Okay. So <laughs> the actual developer. Yeah. Oh, no. So, it, you know, the questions, it's hard. Like with Jeopardy, if I know what the answer is and I'm writing the question, it makes perfect sense. Sure. But if you don't know what the answer is, there might be five different well, especially things. Especially with that reverse thing where you're answering the, the yeah, question. Yeah, you're actually creating the question confuses. for the answer. So, yeah. so I've been testing them. There should just be one answer to each. It should be a lot of fun. Definitely tune in. But I mean, if you miss it, we do post it online recorded too. Yeah. But it, it'll be a lot of fun. And like I said, that's over at go.itpro.tv slash it-jeopardy. And once you're done watching that, you're probably going to want to say, okay, let's let's go ahead and, and sign up for this uh, IT Pro TV thing. If you do, head over first to go.itpro.tv slash technado, and that's where you're going to get a 30% off coupon code uh, for your account. Uh, if you have a team and you want to find out more about business plans, uh, you can request a demo on that page as well. Go.itpro.tv slash technado. All right, well, that was a lot of fun. Did you guys get bingo, by the way? Because no, I had a lot of stuff here. Bingo. I did. You did? I got bingo. Woo! What you, let's see. Uh, breach, Bitcoin, free space, government, and 5G. Thank you so much for reading uh, those ads. If you had an ad blocker, and you how, wouldn't have won. <laughs> I know. Dang it. And how did how did we not say dark web in this entire... I tried to get you to say it. And then he, I definitely thought we were going to say it during the interview, and it did not happen. I, I could have gotten it with robotic or encrypt, which... how. Also, did we not say encrypt? I got to go back and listen to the interview again. I, I might. I might. <laughs> Are you going to demand a recount? I, I'm going to. Like, no, your prize. no. I, I, I want to revisit this game where there's I no said, prizes. I said encrypt in one of the uh, ransomware articles. Oh, I wasn't listening oh, to you. you yeah, you actually, they did they, say they, normally they just encrypt your files, but this one exfiltrates as well. Bingo. Yep. Well, there you go. <laughs> did you get bingo with I that? Did. All right. All right. Uh, Bitcoin breach, free space, government encrypt. That's so basically the same Bitcoin. Breach. Yeah. 5G Government. was the only difference. <laughs> Encrypt. Okay. Uh, my closest one needed zero day. I don't think we ever say that. Yeah, that one should go away. Yeah. I was thinking, take that off and put like API on. Or two day. But we did say Linux. Linux. Well, I said Linux. Well, did you guys? But he said Linux. No, I too, didn't. didn't. Well, I said. Uh, well, I'd, I'd, I'd still be a blockchain kernel. away. You know, it's just a blockchain away. Just a blockchain away. We said Bitcoin, but no blockchain. Yeah, we did. Wow. Man, I tell you. All right. Well, card. thank you everyone uh, for taking the time to join us today on, a, on another great episode, and uh, we will be back next week. And I can't promise it'll be as good. 
Uh, yeah, I tell you, if you enjoyed the shenanigans today, definitely check out Jeopardy because that's unfiltered. Who knows what? <laughs> yeah, it live. might be great, or it might be like you're watching a NASCAR race. Think of how <laughs> much of this we edited out. <laughs> yeah, because it isn't live. <laughs> yeah, that's live. Yeah, so check it out. What yeah. can Brown do for you? All right, uh, <laughs> thanks for joining us in this Tignado, brought to you by Verizon, but not really because they didn't pay me. So we'll <laughs> we'll see you next week. 